0: hello spooky friends and fiends welcome back to another episode of the spooktacular now i'm kenzie here with nikki and denise it's no secret that we love all things weird creepy and unexplained and boy Does this week's topic take the cake for all three of those categories? I've got to restrain myself from getting too excited and nerding out too much because finally the time has come to talk about one of my deepest and most long-held obsessions. We're talking about the wonderfully weird phenomena that is number stations. All right. (laughs) I don't think you guys are ready for this.
1: (laughs) I'm ready. (laughs) I'm ready for my mind to be blown.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I know I've like talked about it to you guys in the past before like do either of you remember much about what i told you guys when i was like first getting into this stuff yeah yeah
2: we talked i mean we talked about it on another episode a little bit another podcast is that our
1: siren head episode Yeah. yeah yeah that there are these recorded messages usually a random set of numbers people don't know where they're being broadcast from,
0: Yeah, kind of? essentially. Almost like
1: spy,
0: like espionage type stuff. There's a little bit more to it than that. Um, But yes, we will definitely get into all of that. But before we get started, quick shout out and thank you to our returning listeners. We just surpassed 500 downloads, which I know to some is not a lot at all. But to us three, we are very thankful for your support of the show. And if you're new here, welcome. We post new episodes every Friday at 6 p.m. EST. You can reach out to the show by sending us a message at spooktacularnowpodcast at gmail.com or give us a follow on Instagram at thespooktacularnow where we post relevant photos and info about each week's episode. And don't forget to rate our podcast. If you leave an awesome five-star review, we will feature it in an upcoming episode. Now, tune those transceivers, put on your headphones, and maybe turn out the lights for this one. If you're feeling brave, let's talk about number stations. So, what exactly is that? A number, or numbers station, as they're sometimes referred to, is defined as a shortwave radio station that broadcasts a series of sounds, music, and formatted numbers, typically on a schedule, and can be heard on the same frequencies, though rarely Some stations will broadcast at random. Though their exact function is still a bit of a mystery, the leading theory is that they are used to broadcast secret messages to intelligence operatives in the field. Espionage seems to be the most prevalent factor in their usage, and it's thought that a spy would have some kind of key paired with the numbers from which they could decrypt the message and receive important information. This type of communication would be extremely useful as Unidentified radio stations are difficult to track down. So by unidentified, I'm referring to like, you know, when a station broadcasts something, they usually have like a call sign. Right. Uh, And in most like commercial cases, it's going to be like four letters, like uh, WQRT or something like that.
2: WSPD.
0: Yeah, that one. (laughs) Um, And uh, FCC regulations... Uh, And the FCC is the Federal Communications Commission, I believe that's what it stands for. And they set like the rules and regulations for everything that goes on the air. And if you are broadcasting commercially for like music or news, you're required every so often to announce your name, your call sign on the air. So that's why um, like DJs and radio hosts, they'll say it like every hour or so. I think it differs depending on how often you have to do it. Um, but that's the case for like commercial stations. So when you have their call sign, you can figure out where they're located from. Typically they'll have the information attached to their, uh, call sign somehow. So you could figure out where they're broadcasting from if you know their call sign, but if a random frequency is just putting out these number stations and there's nothing else associated with it, it's going to be really hard to track down the location of the, uh, broadcast tower. So. That's why it's, like, hard for people to figure out where these things are coming from. But you can kind of, like, triangulate the position based on, like, if you can hear it and, then maybe a friend lives somewhere else and they can also hear it. But if you've got another friend and they're further away and they can't hear it, you know, based on, like, how the signal travels, that's kind of how, yeah, it's kind of how, like, people can guess uh, where it's coming from, at least.
1: Because they, the waves travel out, like, kind of in a straight line, Right.
0: Uh, yes. I so mean, is it
1: like the further you are away and then you add in like the earth's curvature? Is yeah. that why the, the signal yeah, only and, goes so um, far?
0: Also like weather affects the signal okay. strength a lot too. And waves will be like, you know, they can bounce off the atmosphere and bounce back and land in another spot. But yeah, it, it depends on how okay. well you'll be able to hear something. Another uh, useful thing about number stations is that you wouldn't have to change the broadcast necessarily um, you could reuse it use the same recording or whatever you used before but you just simply change the key that goes with it apparently one-time pads as they're called were popular forms of encryption keys that were used along with number stations uh, if anyone here is a fan of the popular fx series the americans Love that show. Love that show. I've never you've watched never it. seen it. all. It's, this would tie in so perfectly with this topic. Yeah, it's I so good. I need
1: it's on my my long list of shows to catch up on.
0: Yeah, because like it's all about you know the Cold War and spies, and um, it kind of fits this whole theme of like number stations. Because Denise, you may recall that several times in the show, either Elizabeth or Philip can be seen listening to odd radio stations and jying down the numbers that they hear from which they then would like to decrypt secret messages. Um, So that's kind of how I envision the stations would be used by
1: secret operatives. Mm -hmm. So it's like pretty simplistic, but hard to track. So are they still used today, would you say?
0: Yes, not as much as they were. And and I'll talk about that in a little bit. They reached like their height of usage during the Cold War years, Um, because they're you know it's they're easy to make, Mm. uh, difficult to track down, and if you had the one-time pad, if you were to somehow obtain that, it'd be really hard to like pair it with what you needed in order to decrypt the message because you wouldn't necessarily be knowing what to listen for. Um, Okay. So they were effective in that way. So a number of stations have been heard by the shortwave radio community since World War I. The broadcasted messages were originally made using Morse code, but with the broader development of speech synthesis machines in the 1950s, most of them now contain some spoken numbers or words, and as I said, they took off uh, during the Cold War. Have you ever heard a computer talk? This is creepy as hell. It's not bubbly and friendly like Jarvis.
1: I've heard <laughs> I've I've heard um HAL on 2001: yes. A Space yeah. Odyssey, <laughs> but I think that's a, you know not really a computer generated voice, but it's supposed to be and that's pretty creepy.
0: <laughs> I thought HAL was used with speech synthesis. Or was it a voice actor?
1: I don't know. Oh, I thought that it name, was a voice actor. That name
0: came up during my research, but maybe I just read it wrong. Okay. But yeah, or at least they I think what I read was they based the voice, like how they wanted it to sound, off of a speech synthesis kind machine. Monotone. Yes. Yeah. Do you remember that counting computer at Coside? Yes. I don't know what it was, but when I was little, and every time I'd go there and I'd hear it, and it's right by the, it was right by the bathrooms for some reason, but it was like behind this case, and it had the big tower and the monitor with the number on it and all these like wires and stuff and it had a speech synthesis machine attached to it and it would read the number like really slowly like uh, one million seven hundred thousand it was like
1: it was just counting yes oh and gosh. then after it would counting get through the number oblivion. it would
0: add to one or add one to it and then it would do it all again and it just kept going it was yeah what happened <laughs> to that was... thing that thing freaked me out
2: I don't know. We'll have to look into that. Papa would probably know. Yeah, he probably would know. I remember seeing the digital display, but I didn't know it had, you know, that you could hear it, too. It it was so It was loud. It was always so noisy in the museum. I remember
0: going there, like, after hours with uh, Papa and... It never stopped. They didn't turn it off at oh, night. Oh, that would be creepy it at night. It just kept going. And it'd be for like years. dead quiet <laughs> and you'd still hear it. And it was so loud. And you're like, oh, I don't like that. I
1: would love to know what the final number was before they shut it down. Oh, oh. yeah.
0: They probably would have recorded that somewhere. Mm-hmm. I think it got pretty, it was definitely got in the millions. There. But yeah. Man, I'm, I can't believe they didn't bring that thing back. They should have, or they should start a new one, but make it less creepy. <laughs>
1: <laughs> you should put that in their suggestion box. Yeah. Yes.
0: Um, so, speaking of speech synthesis, uh, this I'm going to play for you guys a clip from, uh, it's 1939, a demonstration of the voter machine or voice operating demonstrator at the New York's World Fair developed by Bell Labs, uh, which reminds me of. Uh, Abe Weissman from Marvelous Mrs. Oh, yeah. That's he was working on speech synthesis. Oh, right. And that's what—that's one of the big things that they did at Bell Labs. Oh, right. So a little, a little historical tie-in there to that show. Um, Love that show. Yeah, so this machine, it very primitive-sounding at least, but it definitely paid the way for future speech synthesizers. A machine like this, but more advanced, would have been used for some of the number of stations that were created... Years later, that included uh, speech to convey numbers or words in the broadcast. So, and I'll play you a little clip of that uh, demonstration because it is kind of creepy sounding and kind of gives you a feel of what you're going to hear or what to expect from the number stations that I'm going to play in a little bit. So, let's listen to this bad boy. The
1: machine uses only two sounds produced electrically. One of these represents- other the vibration of the vocal cord there are no phonograph records or anything of that sort only electrical circuits such as are used in telephone practice let's see how you put expression into a sentence say she saw me with no expression she saw me now say it in answer to these questions
0: who saw you she saw me whom did she see me. Did she see you or hear you? Oh, love it. Isn't that cool? Yeah, it's cool. They had to train uh, these operators to use the machine because it's very difficult. But it, all it had were these two, like, pads for your hands with buttons for your fingers. Oh. But each, there were, like, a bunch of different combinations with how you press them that would give it that would generate the sound to and form like, a sentence and what change intonation. the inflection.
1: Yeah. Okay.
0: So she could do all of that with just limited numbers. So you had to learn how to do that, which was like really difficult. And um obviously not ideal for, you know, using this type of machine or what they would, you know, eventually use it for, but that was like the first, well, not first technically it was like a, advanced form of a similar machine that they made before it. That was what was used for the basis of all future speech synthesis machines. It's worth noting that while number stations can have male or female sounding voices, some of them have the voice of a child, which adds even more to the creep factor. To show you what I mean I'll play a segment of a number station that demonstrates just this and if the sound is bad, I will Added in a clip of the recording so that our listeners can hear better but this uh this is a bonafide number station It's just the opening sequence. Oh. It's not the actual broadcast.
2: Oh, that's not creepy.
1: That's (laughs) going to haunt my dreams.
0: (laughs) So that would play and then...
1: the german Mm -hmm. Ah.
0: and that's a computer generated voice not computer speech synthesis of uh i think a computer component at some point would be added um but it was just like an electronic machine and you would type in the speech and it would Translated into the different sounds, and then it would play it back.
1: What's the year of
0: that one that you just played? Uh, Well, I'm going to get into that. Uh, So the station that you just heard is known in the ham radio community as Swedish Rhapsody. The melody is thought to be from uh, the Luxembourg Polka, and the numbers are spoken in German, as we mentioned. This station was first heard somewhere between the 50s and the 60s, Mm. and ceased broadcasting sometime around 2007.
1: Oh, just 2007? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. It was on
0: the air for quite some time. Declassified documents revealed that it was the government of the Polish People's Republic who owned and operated the station at least for a while. Mm. Um, ownership kind of changed as the government situation changed over there. Um, and it used a Morse generator machine, hence the German language. Apparently, it was pitched up to sound like a young child's voice. And obviously, it's creepy as hell. I chose to play this one why, first. Why would they do that? Change it um, to sound like
1: a child, to throw people off?
0: Possibly. My only guess is that maybe the machine was used for another station, and they didn't want it to sound the same.
1: Oh, possibly. Yeah.
0: I, I didn't come across the reason when I was researching the station itself. I mean, somebody maybe somebody knows, but mm. maybe just to change how the machine sounded. But yeah. It, I mean, if that was also another one of their intentions to make it sound really creepy, it, they succeeded because it's one of the most notable and disturbing ones. Oh, that's a ones. pretty
1: famous clip? Yeah. Ah, uh, gotcha.
0: I chose to play this one first as an example, not only because it's one of the most popular, but because it ties into a film that I'm going to mention in a little bit. Many other well-known stations have stopped broadcasting sometime within the last 30 years, and I will play some more examples later but they can still be heard through recordings that the shortwave community has made. Some speculate that the reason these stations stop broadcasting is that they've been replaced with other stations. There's been a change in government operation or the stations and broadcasting equipment were simply abandoned after they no longer served any use. Mm-hmm. And as you know, we kind of got more into the digital age, a lot of stuff now is just being sent right. you know, like through the dark web or like right. the internet or something. But they are still around. Some are still broadcasting.
1: Sometimes simpler is better, you know? Yeah. Because it maybe nowadays people wouldn't expect people to use a number station to communicate information.
0: That's yeah. That's true. Yeah. I also feel like when you're sending stuff like digitally, you run the risk of it being intercepted or, or
1: corrupted. Yeah. Hacked or, um, or whatever. Yeah. Hacked. yeah. So I kind of like the old school espionage of it. (laughs) And
2: and this is through shortwave radio, right?
0: Yeah. And when I say shortwave, I mean anything that is broadcasted between 3 and 30 kilohertz. Hey, guys. Post-production Kenzie here. Just wanted to stop in real quick and correct myself. I misspoke when talking about uh, the range at which shortwave radio operates. I meant to say 3 to 30 megahertz, not kilohertz. So apologies for any confusion. Let's get back on with the show. Okay. That's the band that the that Shortwave technically consists of. Okay. Um, and like what you're broadcasting or who you are will depend on what band of the radio spectrum that you're allowed to use. Um, so Shortwave includes like most commercial news and music broadcasts as well as um, ham radio amateur operators. Mm-hmm. They'll operate within that uh, 3 to 30 kilohertz band as well. Do you think people,
1: like, have number stations to throw people off, kind of, or just, like, it's for fun?
0: Yeah, I think that's a possible.
1: Okay. But you, technically, you would be broadcasting illegally, though. Yes. All right. Okay. Mm -hmm. And... So a little bit of danger added to the (laughs) intrigue.
0: Right. Right. And it's not that, like, people own the radio bands themselves or the frequencies technically but they pay like to reserve space for their stations and that the same goes for like uh military organizations they can only operate on certain frequencies or if they want to broadcast they can only use like certain uh parts of the shortwave band depending on what it is that is they're broadcasting okay um but yeah it's it's a whole thing and i Barely scratch the surface, like explaining that, because it's very complicated, and I've forgotten so much since I first learned about this stuff. But yeah,
1: is it reigniting your passion?
0: <laughs> A little. Yeah. Was, yeah, I kind of forgot how fun it was listening for this stuff. Yeah, um, but yeah, you might be wondering, uh, how in the heck does one come across this strange phenomena, especially one such as myself with no prior radio knowledge or interest? Well. It all started back in 2015. I was alone in my dark room late at night looking for something to watch. That and sounds I...
1: so
2: sad. Aww. <laughs> oh. <laughs> all alone in the
0: dark. Sad life. <laughs> and I came across an interesting looking film titled Banshee Chapter.
1: Oh, I remember this. Yeah.
0: I thought, sure, a creepy movie sounds like a good idea. So I put it on. Little did I know what an emotional roller coaster I was in for, and how this film would come to shape my number station obsession. So, Banshee Chapter is a 2013 horror film directed by Blair Erickson and produced by Zachary Quinto. Yes, that Zachary oh, Quinto. Oh, okay. The film conflates the theories and conspiracies surrounding number stations with the CIA's Project MK Ultra. It is also loosely based on the short science fiction story "From Beyond" by H.P. Lovecraft, not T.S. Eliot. H.P. <laughs> <H>. Lovecraft. <laughs> <laughs> um, I won't go into the story much because it's it's pretty simple compared to the film. Um, but there are a few like similar there are a few similarities. So you know, feel free to look it up on your own time. Um, but you can kind of get the gist of the, what the story was just by watching the movie. So for those that are unfamiliar, MKUltra was a top secret CIA project that involved the use and development of psychedelics, the big one being LSD, and other drugs, as well as interrogation techniques to be used to weaken a subject's willpower and make them more susceptible to suggestion or confession. So that's part of why LSD was so big in the 60s. Mm. Um, They were using uh, unwitting subjects most of the time oh right that's right and uh yeah a lot of a lot of bad stuff associated with this program um the project began in the 50s and ended in 1973 some of the documents regarding the project have been declassified though we as mere citizens are unable ourselves to determine what if any Supernatural means were used or discovered during the experiment. The during the experiments, so the film, as I will explain, does take quite a few liberties there. Um, but like, think back to maybe it's season one or season two of Stranger Things when Eleven was learning about what happened to her mom, and
1: mm. they mentioned
0: how she had like been unknowingly given uh, drugs that they were experimenting with. And that's
1: why she ended up in like a nursing home, right? Or yeah. am I thinking of a different movie?
0: No, she, well, she was like, not brain dead, but she didn't have all her faculties. Like she was
1: like catatonic. Yes. Yeah.
0: But at least in Stranger Things, because of MK Ultra and the drugs that they gave Eleven's mom, that's why Eleven was born with these powers or whatever mm-hmm. and all the other stuff. It's, you know, it's quite the sci-fi take. But it's similar to what MKUltra was about. Mm -hmm. At least in the terms of, you know, giving drugs to people and seeing what the outcome would be.
1: Illegally and without their permission. Yes. Yeah.
0: I'll discuss a brief synopsis of the film, as I feel it's not really worth its own dedicated episode, but it is important to tie into how I got into the whole number station enthusiasm. The film opens with found footage playback from the point of view of a character named Rennie, filming his friend James, played by Michael McMillan, as he chronicles his writing on Project MKUltra and the drug known as dimethyltryptamine-19 or DMT-19. James has somehow acquired a sample of the drug and consumes it on camera for his own research purposes. Soon after, he and Rennie begin hearing strange music and voices such as the Swedish Rhapsody that I played for you earlier, cough, cough, uh coming from the radio, and a shadow figure appears outside the home. James runs outside to investigate, and Rennie follows him out sometime after. Blood is discovered upon the ground, and Rennie screams out in terror as he discovers James horrifically disfigured and his eyes blackened, indicating that the mysterious shadow entity has gained control. Now, this part was like definitely a jump scare and probably the only really scary part in the movie but it was probably scarier than it needed to be as i was watching it in the dark with my phone screen two inches away from my eyeballs oh you watched my it on your
1: phone <laughs> headphones in
0: so it's like you know right here up in my face and you know i was expecting it i'd never seen it before and i when i got to that part is kind of like, ah, and then I like dropped my phone on my face and like jerked <laughs> upward. I was like, oh, I had to collect myself before finishing the, the rest of the movie. Uh, the rest of the film follows journalist Anne, played by Katia Winter, as she searches for her friend James, now presumed missing. Anne discovers what James was working on and that he had a contact with insider information about the experiments and the drugs they were using, like the DMT 19. Jumping ahead in the story, Anne meets a local eccentric writer by the name of Thomas Blackburn, played by Ted Levine. And for those of you who uh, cannot recall this gentleman, oh, right. perhaps this will jog your memory. <clears throat> it puts the lotion on its skin, or else it gets the hose again. <laughs> that was <laughs> that guy. He's that in this movie. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and I, I think the way Ted plays this character, he was like so perfect for the role. And I, probably for me, at least, he's like the best part of the film because his character is just so wild and he, he plays those char- those weird characters yeah, so well. Yeah, he's a great character yeah, actor. he is. Love him. He
1: should have won an Oscar for his portrayal of, was it Buffalo Bill? Yeah. Oh.
0: Yeah. He was, oh. That
1: movie creeped me out. Yeah. Oh, you're talking about Silence of the Lambs? Yes.
0: Yeah. Oh, and he
2: has that weird voice. Yeah. But of. that's
0: his speaking voice. I know. Yeah. I, I've yeah. seen him
2: in other Things. He was yeah, a in a Monk, lot.
1: right? Wasn't
0: he? Yeah, monk? He was. he was a Monk. Yeah, that's yeah.
1: right. And I remember when Monk came out and he was on that. I had trouble watching it because of him. All you could
0: think of was Buffalo Bill. Yes, yeah. because I was still like, Ugh. whenever yeah. I see him, and you still never see him, you. No,
2: you know, on movies and episodes, I think of Silence of the Lambs. Yeah. I always go back there. <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh. Um. So Thomas uh, is who was played by Mr. Levine is revealed to be the one that gave James the drug. Thomas tells Anne about the CIA's project and how they discovered in their experiments the drug turned one's brain into a transceiver that acted as a gateway from our world to the world of the shadowy entities. Anne and Thomas eventually team up to find the source of the strange radio signal and track it down to a repurposed bunker hidden in the Black Rock Desert. They eventually find a machine and one of the former test subjects, now controlled by one of the shadow beings, and determine that it must be the signal source. Anne manages to blow up the machine, killing all of those that were infected by the entities. She also discovers James's remains in the bunker. Uh, So do either of you remember your initial thoughts on the film after I made you watch it? (laughs) (laughs) I remember that.
1: Um, (laughs) Thinking back, I'm just picturing a person in some type of tank. Yes. What was that? That was
0: the creature... um, that was one of the former test subjects who had been taken over by one of the shadow entities because okay. it was the young man that they showed and then it was a woman that they were experimenting on it. That was the person in the tank who was now like a shadow being okay. wearing this person's skin. Um, they somehow the signal was coming through her body. Mm. so they like put her in the tank. They captured Shamu and they put her in a tank, <laughs> 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 and, uh, and they were somehow. I mean, they don't you know they don't explain it, but somehow they were transmitting the signal through this test subject.
1: Okay. And they just
0: left her down there. I don't know. They that, don't explain a whole lot, but that's, that's what, really yeah.
1: all I remember from that movie. Yeah,
0: well, that part was creepy. Yeah, so her face just like appears in the little like porthole on the side of the mm-hmm. tank. And you're like, Ugh. yeah.
2: Do you, remember? do you remember watching that? I do not. Oh. I do not remember that movie at all. I
0: mean, <laughs> was
1: I drinking it wine that night? I don't or? know.
0: Well, I made you and Pavel watch it. Oh, my God. And I made <laughs> my mom watch it. You gotta watch
1: this, Mom. <laughs> and then, so this movie then prompted you to. Yeah. So then after you watched it, did you, like, do a rabbit hole deep dive on the internet? Yeah, exactly.
0: It's exactly what happened. She's up for days
1: (laughs) (laughs) in the same clothes (laughs) to have
0: her computer clicking away. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Um, So although the film received mostly lukewarm reviews, it does hold a 74% rating on Rotten Tomatoes, which is about what I would rate it as. I'd give it maybe three and a half out of five stars. It's not the most scary or well-done horror film I've ever seen, but it does a great job of combining two weird and creepy real-life things, and it's worth a watch if you're into that kind of, you know, creepy government conspiracy stuff. Also, I think they did a good job with their limited budget and tight filming schedule, as I found out they only had 28 days to film the whole thing.
1: Wow. Yeah, so kudos to them. Yeah, nice. It was a decent movie, not the
0: best, but... So yeah, thanks, thanks to this film, uh, my deep dive into the world of government experiments and espionage began. I just had to know, were number stations real, or were they made up for the sake of the story? Also, what the heck was MK Ultra? And perhaps the latter is worth another episode, because there's a lot we could mm. talk about. It's very, very strange. Conspiracy theory-ish yes. stuff. Yeah. Sure. Creepy, you know, government unexplained. Well, it's mostly explained, but I'm sure there's still some... Redacted. Classified information that we don't know about yeah. it. You know, that's where all the aliens come in. You picture where <laughs> the
1: government releases those documents. Yeah. But like the entire document is blacked out with black letters, yeah. except for a couple random like words. The, the <laughs> sky. Yeah. There you go. Declassified.
0: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Much to my surprise, number stations are, in fact, a real phenomena, and, as I mentioned earlier, they've been heard by the shortwave radio community for over a century now. During my quest for knowledge, I came across a site called Priom.org. That's P-R-I-Y-O-M dot O-R-G. It's an online catalog of known number stations broken down by country, language, and method of transmission, along with other relevant information. On the site, you can find recordings and schedules of the various stations, as well as news related to the amateur radio community and the more popular stations that they follow. This site is run by an international community of radio enthusiasts who take time to keep the site up to date. So how would one go about listening to these stations themselves? Well, if you have access to a radio and know when and where, where meaning the frequency to listen, you can hear these broadcasts for yourself in the wild. Some stations broadcast from the opposite side of the world and the signal may not reach you thanks to the Earth being a sphere as well as weather and atmospheric conditions, which will affect the signal's propagation. If you want to listen for specific stations or simply check out what else the world is broadcasting, finding a public access a web SDR is a good bet. An SDR or software-defined radio is a digital device with an antenna attached that can receive radio signals. To tune it to the frequency you want, there's a web-based software that you can use that in most cases will allow you to bookmark frequently visited stations and even record and download what you hear. And the one that I came across during all of this is operated out of the Netherlands from the radio club of the University of Twente, T-W-E-N-T-E, I'm sorry if I mispronounced that, Um, but it's actually pretty easy to use, figure out, you just pull it up and it's got the whole spectrum of what the uh radio can receive and you can just like click and drag to whatever frequency you want and you just listen and you can hit record if you hear something cool and i like it yeah
2: yeah i'll try it
1: i like listening to stars like that like pulsars and quasars they they give off really cool sounds too yeah creepy i know if dad were here he's got it on his phone yeah, we could have an episode about strange space sounds, too. Ooh, yes. I think we definitely should.
0: <laughs> Once I figured out how the pre schedule worked and heard an active number station for the first time, I was hooked. And I remember fondly spending much of my time in between classes at the library at school, hunkered away in a cubby, not studying, but rather listening to the radio for creepy signals and talking in the SDR chat box to other nerds like me.
1: So there's like a whole big fandom of conversations. Oh, yeah. oh yeah.
0: Wow. I mean if you're I mean, if you're into the amateur radio, you probably heard about it at some point or another. Um, it's just kinda like this thing that happens, people talk about, you know, they're like, Oh, this one's playing or And honestly, like like a uh, ham radio people, they're like pretty nice. Like it's a nice community. When I was first starting into this, I didn't know anything. About like what this type of signal is, or what over the horizon radar is, and what it sounds like, and so I was like pretty overwhelmed when it came to like first doing this stuff on my own, um but you just say like, "Hey, uh, I'm listening to this frequency. does anybody know what this is?" And nine times out of ten, you're gonna find someone in like two seconds who's like, "Oh yeah, that's this thing," or I always found people like willing to answer my questions and help me out, which is really cool. Yeah.
1: Oh, just a bunch of nerds. Once in a while, you still see on someone's uh, license yeah. plate, yeah. they'll have their call sign. Yeah, you can get your, your uh,
0: vanity plate to be your call sign. Oh, or if you ever see those trucks driving around with like the big antennas, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people like to listen to it that way because the car is, you know, metal and it's a good mm. conductor for radio signals.
1: You need to do that.
0: I mean, <laughs> what, what do they talk about? Whatever it is, I mean, you just you know, you can only operate within certain bands of the shortwave spectrum that's reserved for amateur radio users. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can talk to people all over the world yeah. too, can't you? Yeah, and you just when you get on, you just say, like, you know, CQ, meaning calling all stations. Uh, this is you know, you, you would you could say like your first name. You know, don't put, like, too much personal information out there, but yeah. every, like, 10 minutes or so, you have to say your call name if you're actively broadcasting or reaching out to other mm-hmm. people. You know, just wait and see if somebody responds, and you can just chat with them. Fun. Yeah.
2: And, you know, I think I mentioned this once before. I read once where if there was ever a disaster where communications were down, it would be the ham radio operators that would continue... Yeah communication and yeah and a big part world. of oh, right. uh, amateur
0: radio is being available for like emergency broadcasting because yeah. a lot of times they'll have you know like a if they're part of their local like amateur radio relay league which is a big organization that kind of oversees like the signing of call numbers and if you take your chest you go through them a lot of times they'll like place their own uh, transceivers and antennas like on top of high buildings, or in a lot of cases, hospitals, um, you know, that need emergency communication and they'll get on and they can relay stuff that way, which is pretty important. It is. Yeah.
1: Like on a, like post apocalyptic movies, there's always somebody broadcasting on a radio signal trying to yeah. tell people yeah. where the safe place is. Yeah. Or, that's yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause I mean, as long as you have power, you know, radio waves are everywhere. And you, you know, that mm-hmm. form of communication yeah. is never really going to go down, especially with analog devices, yeah, that aren't tied to like.
2: Well, you'd probably want to have a generator then. Yeah. To make well, yeah, sure
0: you, you still need a power source solar,
1: solar panels. Yeah. You'd want to be like prepared for.
0: Yeah, but there'd be definitely ways of doing it with minimal power and equipment mm-hmm. if you really needed to. So that's that's another cool thing about radio.
1: Then that reminds me of like. Doomsday planners who have those underground bunkers, and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> off the grid, yeah, yeah. like you, you know, like on Zillow, you'll see people selling those old missile silos yes! out in the desert. Oh my god, I want you them so know, bad. people are buying those up to like <laughs> yeah. survive the end yeah. times. Yeah. I want to tour one of those, that would be so cool.
0: Sometimes they go for like pretty reasonable, yeah, you can get them for like as much. Well, I mean, houses now are crazy, but like pretty reasonably priced. You yeah. can get the lot that it comes with and the
1: big sp- the, um, patch of desert probably
0: yeah the missile launch chamber Yep. and, and then the whatever and- complex was built underneath to house uh, the people working there
1: and then from the surface it's just like some random door
0: yeah yeah and then da- there's, down, there's probably like steps like down into a, a big concrete mm-hmm, or metal thing right in the ground somewhere nearby that's probably overgrown so you wouldn't notice it right away yeah, well, back in the 50s the Walking and 60s. Dead would never find you.
2: <laughs> back in the '50s and '60s, we had bomb shelters. Yeah, yeah same. They, they can be yeah. all over, and you don't know, right? Mm-hmm. Same, yeah. Just abandoned.
0: <laughs> uh, so I think those
1: are going to become popular again.
0: Yeah, yeah. probably. Yeah,
1: <laughs> just have this feeling.
0: Uh, if you. Want to listen on an SDR through your own receiver? You don't need a license to use it. However, if you do want to get on the air and talk to others via shortwave, you will need to obtain a ham license. Thanks to Banshee Chapter and my number station obsession, I can say with lukewarm pride that I, Kenzie, am an officially licensed ham radio technician. Yay! (laughs) I had to take two nine-hour classes and everything. I was like one of the two like youngest people there it was all a bunch of like old guys oh and then it was like me and then it was like a teenage kid and his brother and we're just like sitting there listening and i think i fell asleep at one point but we had to take these (laughs) long long classes in order to take the test yeah about like the uh, rules
1: and like laws
0: and things. yeah but they also went over like what's electricity what are kilohertz what is wattage what is blah, blah 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 and like all this other technical stuff that just like whoosh, yeah. right over my head um do you have call letters me yeah a call sign yeah yeah well get i passed that test by the skin of my teeth by one point what are the? what are your letters i can't say it because it's got my address oh. attached to it <laughs> but, but that's only them. that's the only bad thing because once you like register and get your call sign it's on the amateur radio relay leagues database and you can look it up on their website but yeah so unfortunately i can't tell it to you just take my word for it it's pretty cool it's not uh uh it's not w9jfo from contact <laughs> oh that's a real C-C, that's a real call C-C. sign though who Some, has it somebody in california i think i don't know oh, neat. but it's already assigned that's so sad However, she's trying to find her mom yeah on the radio oh i love that movie the only way, if I really, you can uh, apply to get like vanity call signs, which are, um, they're not six digits, they're five. And if there's like a specific one that you want, you can like put in a request to get that one as soon as it's available. But in most cases, that would mean that the person who currently has it has to die in order for it to be available for you to oh, use. Oh, like
1: to be recycled?
0: Yeah. So, uh. Yeah, that would be a cool one to have, but somebody else already got it, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. Anyways, (laughs) as I mentioned earlier, many number stations that were once on air for a long time have since ceased broadcasting. Luckily, we can still listen to and study them, thanks largely in part to the Conet Project that's C-O-N-E-T. Recorded and produced by Akin Fernandez, the founder of Ear Dial Discs record label, Recordings of various number stations began in 1992, and his work was released as a four-CD set in 1997. Another edition was re-released in 2013, with an additional fifth disc for new recordings consisting of strange and unnaturally occurring radio phenomena, so unnaturally meaning uh just like odd things that he heard while listening Mm -hmm. like you know man-made obviously like somebody's putting it out in the air but it's like unidentifiable or it just sounds odd and he's not sure what it was but Mm. he you know captured and recorded those and put it on this fifth disc for the set um yeah i haven't listened to any but you can find it to listen to for free typically Um, Because the Conant Project files, the original ones, they can be found on places like archive.org. You just listen for free, um, amongst other places. It's also worth mentioning that on preom.org, the known stations are categorized for easier identification. E is for stations with the English language, G for German, S for Slavic, M for Morse code, and so on and so forth. The method of categorization was developed by the European Numbers Information Gathering and Monitoring Association, or ENIGMA, who were active from 1993 to 2000. So, you know, all this stuff is, like, thanks to just people in the community doing this on their own time who, you know, fascinated by it and wanted to learn more about it and share what they found. I thought it was cool. Mm -hmm. So now we get into the fun stuff. Uh, I've got some popular number stations and uh, recordings that we can listen to. The first one up is known by the name of Three Tone Oddity, or designated G04, so we'll take a listen. So that one, like Swedish Rhapsody, is also in German, and the first two words at the beginning were Achtung, which means attention. Yeah. Yeah, that one's also really creepy. I don't know what it is about the German sounding ones. Mm -hmm. German just makes everything sound strange. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, The next one is the Lincolnshire Poacher, designated EO3. And it first broadcasted from Bletchley Park in the 1970s but ceased broadcasting in 2008. Um, And Bletchley Park is... I think it still is if it's not anymore. But um, that was where they uh, broke the Enigma code in the 40s. Um, MI6 did a lot of uh, covert operations and Mm -hmm. research there. Uh, MI6 being the United Kingdom's military intelligence 6th division or whatever. That's mm-hmm. like their highest level of top secret classification. So apparently somehow they were able to determine that this station did in fact come from there. And wow. then I think it, it was changed over to another. It was broadcasting out of some uh, English air base in Cyprus, I guess. That was mm-hmm. like its last known location. Um, but then it stopped in 2008. But we'll take a listen to that. This one's kind of fun. (laughs) That goes on for a while.
1: Nine, seven, one, five.
0: Six, six, four, seven, five. So you can really hear the synthesized speech uh, with the English language. Oh, and, yeah. And how, like, artificial sounding it is. But that one's, yeah, creepy. What does it mean? <laughs> what does it mean? Good question. Well, I'm sure the spies who uh, heard that one, they're probably dead.
1: (laughs) They didn't have their secret decoder ring.
0: Yeah. And then another one, while I was listening to a bunch of them, I thought was interesting, is called NNN or E12, which is thought to have stopped broadcasting in 97. It used Morse code and synthesized voice, which is unusual at least from what i found because it opens with the morse code and then it goes into the numbers that's the morse code for the letter n okay Yeah, I chose that one because I thought the voice in that one sounded really creepy. Yeah, it sounds very realistic.
1: Yes. Now, question. Hmm. Why would they use synthesized voice instead of just having someone record the
0: message? Um, I'm not sure the exact reason. I know some of them did use live voices. Okay. Um, but in most cases, it was synthesized. Probably because it was either easier, you wouldn't have to have an operator standing by for broadcasts all the time in order to do the live broadcast things when you needed to. You could just send out the recording uh, for whatever reason. Mm -hmm. Um, Or maybe, you know, if it was like an obviously generated voice, it's not one that could be potentially like tracked back to somebody mm-hmm. if you had like a like distinct voice recognition yeah if you had like a distinct speaking voice
1: mm-hmm.
0: i mean i don't know i guess they're just being like super extra careful mm-hmm. in terms of you know top secret information but i'm honestly not sure that's a good question mm. But those are just my theories okay yeah thanks man <laughs> uh now this next one it's not really a number station, it's technically a Russian military channel marker uh, but it's still a popular station among ham enthusiasts. It broadcasts a repeating drone or buzz tone every couple of seconds and it can be heard at 4625 kilohertz. And this one is called UVB-76 or the buzzer as people have come to call it. Um, but it's just a fun one. It's just super weird, and it mm. goes on 24-7, wow. days a year.
1: Random. That's all, that's all it does? 24 hours a day? Yep. Why? <laughs> Jinx. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, well, let's read what it says on uh, preome. While no other traffic is being sent, the station emits its signature channel marker. The traffic consists mainly of the following standardized types of messages. Uh, Oh, these are some words I, I don't recognize. They must mean something in the radio community. Monolith messages. Command messages. The traffic sent on this station is simultaneously transmitted in Morse code on multiple other frequencies. Channel separation issues have occasionally allowed the Morse code simulcasts to be heard on the voice station. So the buzzer frequency is the voice station, but then at the same time they're on other frequencies? Mm. I don't know what that means, but, um. The station was first reported in the 1970s. Prior to 1990, its channel marker was a short, high-pitched tone emitted every two seconds. Since September 2010, the buzzer serves the new Western Military District. Yeah, this doesn't explain like why. I guess because if they needed the station for broadcasting purposes, nobody else is gonna hop on it if they're constantly mm-hmm. putting out just like a just drone keeps it open tone. Yeah. yeah, shows it's theirs. Yeah, or to pull attention away from what other frequencies they're using, maybe.
1: Or to mess with people to the point where they have a podcast and yeah. talk about it. Yeah, <laughs> <It's> true. <laughs> That's
2: the
0: grand plan. It's a torture
2: tool. Right. <laughs> you have to listen to this all day.
0: Now, the next few that I'm going to play are ones that I recorded using that Web SDR out of the Netherlands. Oh. Um, and I just thought they were interesting. To, to hear it in the wild, I, you know, it's, it's kind of lame, but to me it was really exciting. And... You know, to say that these things are real and you can still hear them and listen to it yourself, but let me I even labeled my very first number station. Oh uh this one I recorded November second, twenty fifteen. Wow. And it was on six thousand seven hundred and ninety two kilohertz. How did you find it? Uh using the schedule on that website I mentioned okay. Priom. Mhm, oh yeah. Um once I figured out like the time zone difference, then I could figure out like oh this one's going to be on at this time and I can listen to it if I just tune to that frequency and yeah, so I don't remember what that designation was for that station, but uh you can imagine little me sitting in the library, you know, like geeking out. Were you over at the how, school how, library? Yeah. Oh. Main campus. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just be sitting there like, you know, other people are there like doing their work. And I'm just like, oh, did you like, is like stand up and station? shout Eureka! No. <laughs> no. I still observe to <laughs> uh, library rules, but um <laughs> Yeah, I was so excited. And I I invested many an hour listening to this thing just to find number stations even if it was ones that i'd heard before do you have a favorite oh that's a good question um i mean probably swedish rhapsody just because you know it was the first one i heard and Okay. It's, to me it's, it's the creepiest spot for it out of all of them yeah the kid yeah. the
1: child voice yeah it's a little yeah it, this all reminds me of you remember that show lost did you ever watch lost
0: I don't remember it very well. I remember watching it like the first couple of seasons, but.
1: There's like this psychological experiment they're doing with these people. And then in one of the seasons, there's this guy who's down in this bunker. and Oh, I remember that. And every so, so much time goes by. There's these numbers that he has to like put into the. Thing. yeah do you remember wow
0: that? vaguely vaguely i remember it's that it's almost
1: like he's broadcasting a <laughs> station, <laughs> yeah. but really and and in his mind he thinks if he doesn't do this something bad's gonna happen yeah yeah but
0: really nothing does yeah wow yeah uh, this is another one the only thing that i put on this one was russian and this was on uh 9200 kilohertz so let's take a listen
1: Do you have the translation of what is being said?
0: Yeah. yeah, that one repeats a lot, but they're just listing off numbers in Russian. Hmm. Uh, this one. Oh, this next one, it's not a number station, but you know we were talking earlier about weird things that you can hear on the radio. Mm-hmm. Um, you can hear like automated, like assembly line machinery. They, what? I guess they use radio signals to, not program them, but like, can you- control like their operations and their uh, their programming. Is it some machines communicating to each other? It could be. I mean they come alive. <laughs> they're self aware. Um, <laughs> but you can hear them on the radio. Wow. It's on like the higher end of the spectrum where like nobody really broadcasts anything. Uh but I just remember hearing this weird sound and I recorded it and then I asked somebody that I knew uh like what is this like what is this thing? And they were like, Oh, it's a welder machine. I was like, huh? I didn't know they gave off radio signals, but apparently they do. Interesting. But this is what they sound like.
1: Oh, I love it. Yeah. That's too cool. Yeah.
0: Just like weird little things like that that If you just sit on a station for a while, you might hear something interesting. Mm. And then this other recording here, I think I pulled it from a website, but it's just an example of a synthesis, a voice synthesizer, what they would sound like. Um, I thought it was cool. So that was like hearing how the machine works. Uh, m- parts would move, and then oh, okay. you input the the number, dials it up, and then the voice comes out the speaker. So so weird to me. I, like why? Isn't there like a spy museum somewhere? Yeah, there's one in DC. I bet they've got a bunch of this old stuff. Yeah, I there. bet they do.
1: Oh, Ooh, we gotta go. I've been wanting to go back there. Yeah, me too. I love that Let's place. Do it. Yes.
0: But yeah, so those are some. Recordings I thought I'd share.
1: So let's say I wanted to have a number station. (laughs) What would I need to do?
0: Um, well, you would need a way of broadcasting something. So you would need a transceiver that's most radios, well... Like the radio in your car or on your phone is just a receiver. Mm-hmm. It can receive the signals, but you're not transmitting anything right, out. Right, right. Um, so a transceiver's also got a transmitter in it. Ooh. Fancy, yes. Okay, let me um, make a list. <laughs> yeah, so what you else would, would I need um, your recording. It could be anything. If you want to put little blips of music in there to spice it up and uh, your stream of numbers and you would need a key to go with um the numbers that you were mm. broadcasting a uh, way for somebody who's listening to decrypt it. Okay, you know that would right. have to be given to them though something that only they would know how to decrypt.
1: or it wouldn't release anything i wouldn't there'd be no like cipher oh you're just doing it would it just, just be to drive people, people crazy <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: <laughs> yeah um and then you find a frequency, maybe one that's not used much or, you know, like a a radio station's not operating on it. Yeah. It's just like a random frequency mm-hmm. that's got mostly static. Mm-hmm. Um, And yeah, I mean, if you really wanted to mess with people, you would just broadcast at random. So they would spend all their time looking for it. Oh, right. And never knowing when they would come across it. Yeah.
1: I like it. <laughs>
0: As I mentioned earlier, the station Swedish Rhapsody is used as the primary part of the mysterious signal that Anne and the others hear after consuming the chemical DMT-19 in Banshee chapter. The station is also combined with parts from others to make the whole signal that you hear in the film. Um, it just takes like bits and pieces from other ones, but the primary sound bite that they use is from Swedish Rhapsody. Another 2013 film starring John Cusack and Malin Ackerman called The Number Station takes place in a secure bunker in England where Cusack portrays a CIA agent acting as an overseer for the station and Ackerman as the voice behind the intelligence broadcast. I've never heard of this. Yeah. um, It's less sci-fi and more like spy action thriller. I tried to watch it, but as far as like spy movies go, it was pretty boring. Okay. Um, But... And like really the like the number station itself is kind of like a small part of the film because mm-hmm. they're like in the bunker and they've got a broadcast and then like somebody tries to break in and they got to like escape and everything and it's like I don't know. Mm. It's just kind of silly. Okay. But um I mean you know another film that like portrays this crazy phenomena uh Number stations and Project MKUltra are also important themes in two of the Call of Duty games, uh, Black Ops and Black Ops Cold War, where two of the characters were subjected to the MKUltra program. The first game, uh, just Black Ops, opens with a cutscene of a woman speaking a random stream of numbers into a microphone, and they don't really explain it until you, like, get through the game a little bit more, Um, and I did a playthrough of this, like, very shortly after getting into this whole thing. Because I had just bought the game. I was mm-hmm. like, that eh, sounds fun. And I didn't know that they had this in it.
1: Oh, no. <laughs>
0: so I'm like playing it. And then like you get to the, the missions where it becomes like a bigger part of the story. And I just remember being like so geeked out about the fact <laughs> that they had it because I was just learning about it. And I'm like, what a oh weird my, coincidence. They're, they're talking about M.K. And, and the main character, he was like captured by the Cubans. And he was like brainwashed using... Like their ultra program, and then they use the number stations to like the way that the game takes it. It's like the stations act as like they activate like your sleeper agent Uh, mind or something, and you like go catatonic and mm. then you do their bidding based on what the station broadcasted. And then there's like this other mission where for some reason, I don't know how this works, but the broadcast tower is like somewhere in the ocean. And it's underwater in this, like, underground facility. And you're, like, swimming with the other, like, Black Ops dudes. And you got to go blow up the antenna. Otherwise, like, the main character is going to... He keeps, like, beating up his... Uh, comrades and then mm-hmm. they, at one point the one guy is like where are the numbers coming from he's like <laughs> interrogating you <laughs> and the character's like i don't know um <laughs> it's so silly but <laughs> you were loving it yeah i was <laughs> <laughs> and uh is is it no i think ed harris does the voice of the the CIA guy who's like your friend or he's like your commanding officer or something. Mm. It's not Ed Harris. Hold on. I got to look this up. I don't want to sound like a fool. But the main guy is, um, who was the guy in Avatar? Played the Marine, the main guy. Sam something. Avatar. The blue people. Uh, the, The young guy that they put in there? Sam Worthington. Oh, okay. He does the voice of the main guy in Black Ops. And he's still got his, like, British accent, but he's mm. an American operative, and they never explained that, which I thought was <laughs> funny.
1: <laughs> just a small oversight. Yeah.
0: But let me look up the cast here. Man, that video game is from 2010. Whoa. Oh, yeah. Ed Harris, Jason Hudson. Huh. I just remember him being like, where's the broadcaster from? <laughs> and then, of course, you know, the whole big, like, thing is, you know, they, they brainwashed him so much, but they they destroyed the broadcasting station thinking that that was going to stop his like outbursts, he was going to stop like hurting his friends. But then like was he, you know, did they really save him after that? Mm-hmm. Cuz they, they kind of hint that he's like still brainwashed and they're still they're getting to him and the numbers mm-hmm. are just playing in his mind. That's what they're they're all about, the number stations. They're going to brainwash us. <laughs>
1: Don't listen too long. Yeah.
0: But interestingly enough, there was a spy scandal. What were they called? The Miami Five or something? They were Cuban spies who they were like captured and they um, were operating in the U.S. in Florida. Mm -hmm. Or I guess that's why they're called the Miami Five. I don't know. But um, they admitted to receiving information via... Number stations. Awesome. So, like in that instance, like it was used for espionage, and you know a government entity was using them for what people think that they're primarily being used for. uh, So that does give credit to that main theory that you know that's why. Yeah,
1: love it. I think you missed your calling.
0: (laughs) (laughs) We're doing what? The CIA. Oh, ew. Ew. But, yeah, so that is, really, we're just kind of scratching the surface. Uh, there's all kinds of stations out there, unexplained, uh, just weird stuff that you can hear on the radio. But there's a bunch of other cool things I didn't even talk about that, I don't know, we could do in a future episode. Other weird radio sure. happenings. But, um, yeah. That's cool. I hope you all enjoyed learning about the World of number stations. Um If you've got any theories or interesting tidbits of knowledge, send it our way. And uh, we'll see you on the next one. Bye. Bye.